And the thing about wanting to be where God is, sometimes as sinners, we, we fall off that track a little bit. We get ourselves kind of off kilter a little bit. We get ourselves kind of off the path that leads us to the Lord, which is why the theme of this new series that we're about to do in 1 Corinthians is titled, Recalibrate. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, uh, he reveals to us that there's a lot of recalibrating that needs to go on within this church body. Now, the word calibrate means to adjust precisely for a particular function. To adjust precisely for a particular function. So we have that initial adjustment in the beginning. As a church, that, 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 that adjustment was made in the book of Acts. When the church came together, there was that adjustment of what God was expecting of them to do. As a believer, when you become a believer, you are adjusted to where God is wanting you to be. But the problem is, is that we continue on with life and we're going to fall short. We're going to slip. We're going to make mistakes. Years are going to pass. And we need to read calibrate we need to make these adjustments and understand that recalibration is not a bad thing i don't want you to hear that as something that's that like man we, we must be in a terrible place if the preacher's talking about recalibrating right no that's not necessarily a bad thing but even as madden baptist church we need to take time to recalibrate in order to make sure that we are functioning precisely as the Scripture has taught us to function. Maybe the topic at hand might be heavy at times. Maybe you would rather avoid some of the topics that Paul is going to reveal to us in this book. But we can't avoid it. And we can't just skip over. It's a necessary recalibration that has to take place in our lives personally, and in the life of this church corporately. As I said earlier, this church at Corinth needed a recalibration. In fact, Paul will spend the first 11 chapters of this book addressing the very issues that needed to be recalibrated. He tells them what the problem is, and here's how you fix it. And it's important that the church addresses these issues so that corruption within the city would not find its way to the church. Now, the city of Corinth was known for their wealth, even though most of the population was poor or slaves. The city was filled with debauchery. In fact, one of the commentaries said that people used to use this phrase to Corinthianize, to relate to someone who was doing an evil act. That's what Corinth, the city, had become. If you acted evil, they said that you were acting as a Corinthian. But along with this corruption that they were dealing with, also there were other schools of thought that dominated the area, whether it was Greek philosophy or rhetoric, or it was the Judaizers who were always a problem in the time of Paul. The Judaizer says that it's great to have Jesus, but you still need to do these other works in order to be saved, which is clearly against the teachings of Jesus. And so much of this 
these issues were getting into the church and Paul deemed it necessary to address it. And so while he focuses on these sinful actions in in the first 11 chapters and the things that they need to work on, he then shifts in chapter 12 to go into a theological study to help them to understand the basic theological principles that they needed to know, including, in chapter 15, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, the reason the book of 1 Corinthians is relevant to you and I today is because we face a lot of the same things that the church at Corinth was facing. Sure, we've got our personal issues, we've got our things that we're weak at that we need to strengthen, But also in the context of 2024, we see these very things. There's plenty of options for things to worship, other philosophies that are out there in the world, different truths that you can live by, right? There's all that out there. Corruption, climbing the ladder of success, you just become more and more corrupt. And we see that with corruption of leaders all across our country. There's also a corruption of marriage and sexual purity. At the church of Corinth, uh, at, at the city of Corinth, we have that certainly going on in our culture for many, many years. And they're all relevant to us today, which is why the Lord has provided this letter in the Bible for us to read today. It's relevant that this Bible—I mean, this book—is in this Bible, this letter, because it is still relevant to the church in 2024. The things that the church of Corinth was going through, we are going through today. And we have to address it. We have to recalibrate to help us in our war against the world, against the spiritual warfare that is going on. Church, it is very real that spiritual warfare is going on whether we want to admit it or not. So the first thing we're going to look at today is Paul's opening remarks. We're going to look at the first three verses today, looking at Paul's opening remarks. And in this opening remark, he's got three callings on the life of the church. One, showing that he was called to be an apostle. And two, that the church is called to both sanctification and unity. So let's read these first three verses together, and then we will dive into them today for our uh, message. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother to Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go, Lord, in prayer now. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory for your word. God, we thank you that the things that were going on in the church of Corinth, they're still relevant today, God. Uh, we know that history repeats itself, that sin is, is nothing new. It is something that's been going on since the beginning, uh, God, when, when Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden. And God, we understand that, that we are burdened by that sin because it has been passed down from generation to generation, God. And so I pray today as a church, we would reflect on these things. We would recalibrate ourselves during this series through 1 Corinthians so that God and all that we do, it would be for your honor and your glory, God, that we would answer the call that you have given to us all. God, speak to us now. 
May we hear from you, and may we respond faithfully to it. It is in your Son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen. So, as with any of Paul's letters, if you've read enough of Paul's letters, you recognize a lot of similarities, especially in the beginning. There's always an introduction, and and he always introduces himself or somebody he's with, and he always says grace to you and peace from God. Those are always common in every letter. You can look at every one of them and see it. Uh, But a lot of times we take these introductions and we just skim right by them. We take these introductions, we skim right by them, and we go straight for the meat of the topic, of the book, of the letter. But there's so much that we can learn from just the introduction. So much that we can understand when it comes to God calling, the calling that God places on our lives. And so I pray that as we study the scripture that we won't overlook elements of the text just to get to the meat. Because sometimes there's the real meat, the good stuff's the part we overlook. So there's three things, three callings for us to understand today. And the first call is the call to leadership. Call the leadership. Look at what Paul says. He says in verse 1, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now understand early in Paul's ministry after his conversion in Acts chapter 9, he faced opposition for a few reasons. One reason was because of his past. Paul, as we know, used to be was Saul. He was a Jewish leader who sought to kill Christians. He sought to put an end to the Jesus followers and their message. And while on the road to Damascus, Saul was confronted by Jesus himself. And it eventually led to his salvation and the calling to lead the effort to plant churches all over the world. That was in Acts chapter 9. Another reason Paul faced opposition, not only his past, but also because he wasn't one of the twelve. He wasn't one of the twelve apostles. He wasn't one of the twelve disciples. Like, who is this guy? How does he have this kind of authority to tell me what to do? Number one, because of who he was. But now he's telling me what to do? He wasn't even with Jesus. How could he have any authority? How does he know? He wasn't with them. And, And while these oppositions are out there, The reality is this, church. A person's leadership is not based on what their past is or who they surround themselves with. A person's leadership, specifically in Christian circles, like the church, is based on something different. Paul is not leading the church based on his vast knowledge of sacred text. Paul is an apostle And he is a leader within the church as a whole because why? He was called by God. That calling is what qualifies him to be a leader in the church. Look at what he says in the first verse. Paul, called by the will of God. He's a leader because God willed it for his life. He's called to be an apostle because that is God's desire for him. And this is how we as a church should view our leadership in context, right? Pastor, music minister, deacon, Sunday school teacher, or any other leadership position that we have, the person to take those positions should be someone called by God. 
That, 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 that's, that's the most important thing. It's not important that we find the most intelligent or the best speaker or the person who has the most contagious personality. The question that we should always ask is, is this person called to this position of leadership? It's funny that Michelle mentions the, 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 the we always talk about that search committee group and, and having that one meeting and the Lord had already ordained, that's all we needed was one meeting. But in that time, we were praying before we come. We said, God, just, if, this is, if this is what it needs to be, keep the door open. If it's not, just shut the door, slam it in my face. Do what you got to do to tell me this is not right for me. And we left that meeting, and we got in the car, me and Reagan, and we were going home. And, and I said, well, that door didn't shut. And I think she agreed. We knew the door didn't shut, which told us, that God was calling us to Madden Baptist Church, which amazing, that meeting was over three years ago. That was my prayer that God, if I'm not called here, you would shut that door. But he didn't. He called us here to serve as pastor of this church, to, to, to lead this church spiritually and understand that the authority in, in leading is not because of some knowledge or understanding. It's not in, in, in the skills that I might have here and there. The calling and authority that I have as your pastor comes only from God. And that is for every leadership position in the church. It comes strictly from the Lord. And for Paul, he was clearly establishing authority but not in the way that it was a power trip. Paul is just clearly showing that I have I've been given authority, though that many people may oppose me, I have been called by God to be an apostle. That's the authority that I have, is what Paul is trying to tell the church of Corinth. Before he says anything else, before he writes down any correction or instructions, he is establishing where his authority comes from. And the original audience, the church at Corinth, should see Paul's life and follow his example and wisdom that comes strictly from the Lord. And any leader of this church here at Madden must understand their calling from God and execute their position of authority to the best of their abilities in a manner that brings glory to God. That's the purpose of Paul's ministry, to exercise his authority in a way that would bring honor and glory to the Lord. And understand, leadership is not always going to be easy. There is going to be times of correction and rebuke. But it is a calling. And Paul is not going to hide from it. But he is going to lead to the best of his abilities. And we, as Madden Baptist Church, if we, any of us, are in a position of leadership, whether it's a leader of a committee all the way to the position of pastor, we all lead to the best of our abilities, not shying away from correction, but understanding that our authority comes from the Lord. So my calling to you is today is this. Simply, if you are a leader, lead like it. Lead as you are called. Deacons, lead as a deacon. Sunday school teachers, lead as a teacher. Lead in what God is calling you to do. Now maybe you're in here and you have felt the call to leadership, but you have not moved on it. Answer that call. And be obedient to the call of leadership. We need leaders constantly. We need people to take over at times. We need people to, with new ideas. We need people with new leadership skills. And so if God is calling you to that, 
don't sit there. Because I can tell you from experience, God calls you to leadership. He's not calling on you to keep following. He's calling you to step up to the plate. Second call we see today is the call to sanctification. Verse 2, the very first portion of verse 2 says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ. We'll stop right there. Verse 2 reveals to us the original audience of this letter. We know it is the church of God, church of God in Corinth, and they are the sanctified in Christ Jesus. Listen, to be a church, you must be called to sanctification. Which comes out of what? Your calling to salvation. Before we can get to the sanctification, we've got to understand the salvation part of it. And it's simply this. As scripture reveals to us, we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And because we are sinners, there is a price to be paid for our sin. And the price is death. Eternal separation from God forever in hell. The place of torment and pain. We owe our lives for our rebellion. We owe our lives and we deserve suffering because we are sinners. But, in, but God in His grace and His love was willing to provide a way out of it. Yes, you deserve hell. I deserve hell. But God provides a way out of our deserved fate. God sent His one and only Son, Jesus, into the world. And Jesus Christ lived the sinless life we could not live. And He would be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He took on the death penalty of a crucifixion for us. He willingly gave up His life for us to die in our, pla our place. But praise God, the story doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with His death. No, a few days later, Jesus rose from the dead, which signifies the defeat of the penalty of death. And it gives us all who believe the ability to be saved from our sins and its penalty. And while we may experience death on this earth, those who believe will not experience this eternal death, this eternal separation, because Jesus has made a way for us to be back in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And understand, it is because of Jesus. It's not because of us. There is nothing that we can do to earn salvation on our own efforts. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is a gift from God. Paul said in Romans 6, it's a free gift to us. It's a gift for all of us that we cannot earn, but we've been given but understand that while salvation is a gift from God, it also means that you must be called by God in order to be saved. You must be called by God. Think about Paul on the Damascus Road. Evil as ever. Saul, evil as ever. Walking to kill Christians and God calls him out through Jesus. Jesus calls out to Paul on the Damascus Road and understand that when you are called out, this calling has to be answered. Paul could have ignored, Saul could have ignored it. He could have ignored the voices. Now he would have been blind the rest of his life, but he could have ignored it. But he chose to answer the call, and the same is for you and I. God calls out to us, and if you're in here and you've been lost for a while, but you've been sitting in church, God's been calling out to you Sunday after Sunday, and you've one point, you've got to answer it. We all, as Christians, had to answer that call at some point that we would be saved. 
And maybe God is calling out to you today. Don't miss that calling. Don't miss that calling. But understand now that once we're saved, we're now called to pursue holiness. And that process is called sanctification. It's just the pursuit of holiness. Look at what Paul said to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 8 and 9, 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9 says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us, so there's the salvation part, who saved us, but now what? Called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He has saved us, and now he calls us to a holy calling. Look at what Peter said. 1 Peter chapter 1, 13-16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now to have a little context on that, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter starts off reminding them of the hope, the living hope that they have, that they are born again to a living hope, that they have been saved by Jesus. And now the shift has happened. Because you have been saved, church, you now should be holy in all of your conduct. Why? Because the Lord is holy. We pursue holiness because our Father, our Heavenly Father is holy. Our conduct should reflect God because we are made in His image. And we are made to reflect Him in all that we say and all that we do. We as the church are sanctified by Christ and every day we are called to pursue holiness. Each day should be a new step towards it. And look, sometimes the steps are big and sometimes they're baby steps. Like some days, you, you just you ran a marathon towards holiness. Some days, it's just a good day, right? You, you made some big strides towards holiness, and then there's some days you just barely got a step in. But each day should be a new step towards it to one day where we will stand before Jesus, we'll stand before our Heavenly Father face to face, and we will be made completely holy. That day will be a glorious day. But while we wait, may we all strive to fulfill the call to holiness, to sanctification. And we can do this in a few ways. If you need to pursue holiness today, you need to get back on track. You need to recalibrate your life to to work towards sanctification. One way you can do this is to seek forgiveness through repentance. Every, Every day we should be pursuing holiness, but let's face it, we all fall short. We all make mistakes. We say things we shouldn't have. We did things we weren't supposed to. We fall short. We still sin. All of us still sin, even as believers. But what we should do each time we sin is we should be repenting of it, which means turning away from our sin and keep pursuing God and the holiness that he has called us to. And so maybe today you're in here and and the first step to recalibration for you is repentance. I've got to repent of some sin in my life, Pastor. God, I've got sin that I've got to turn from and get back to facing God. 
you can use that time and response that we'll have in a little bit to do so. Another way to pursue holiness is to make the most of your time. Make the most of your time with God by reading His Word, worshiping God, and praying to God, among other things. Seek to draw closer to God, because if you're going to draw closer to God, guess what you're doing? You're running towards Him. If you're seeking to draw closer to God, it means you're, you're running towards God. And look at what James said in chapter 4. James chapter 4, 7 through 8. James chapter 4, 7 through 8 says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Look at what he says next. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, submit to God, and draw near to God. He says, if you will draw near to him, if you will run towards him, if you will pursue holiness, guess what God's going to do? going to draw near to you this is what sanctification looks like pursuing holiness and i know this goes along with the point of repentance earlier but listen we need to stay near to god we need to stay close to god so that we will be cleansed we will be purified this is all the path to holiness so to reach holiness to answer the call to sanctification we have to be going in the direction of God. And again, this is where recalibration comes in. Because sometimes our path is a little off. It feels like we're going towards God, but really we're kind of off. So we need to get back on track and draw near to God through sanctification. The last calling in the scripture for us today is the call to unity. Call to unity. Go back to verse 2 with me. He said, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, watch this, called to be saints together with all those who are in every place, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. We know by reading this, this letter to the church of Corinth, they're a very dysfunctional church. They are very dysfunctional. That's why they're going to be very relatable to a lot of us, if not all of us, because we all got our dysfunctions. As I said in the introduction, this church needed its recalibration. They were doing many things wrong. They were doing many things sinful. And this corruption was causing division in the church. We see this division happening in several places. And understand division causes problems with any entity. Whether it be the church, whether it be the business you work for, the sports teams that you're a part of or you enjoy watching, division causes problems. We look at the Old Testament history and we see that the people of Israel fell way down after they were divided. They were once a united kingdom. And when Solomon became king, he fell off. And it caused the nations to divide into Israel and Judah. But it didn't get better it got worse until they were finally both falling into captivity. We see how bad divisions can harm our own country. Understand that as a country, when we are at our strongest is when we are united. One of the strongest moments for our country was after 9-11, was it not? We were all ready to roll. We were all united. But we've also seen how division causes us to move further into weakness. We see that today, how divided we are and how weak we are as a country because of our division. We saw it in the times of the Civil War. 
Division is never a good thing, and it benefits no one. Many times churches will go through divisions, and when you get to the root cause of the division, you're like, this is nothing beneficial to the kingdom anyway. The things that we divide over are never beneficial to the kingdom. We must be a church that is united under our Lord and Savior Jesus first and foremost. As Paul called the church of Corinth, we are also called to the same calling. We are called to be saints together. And not just saints together in these four walls. No, but saints together with all those who worship the same God. Their Lord and ours is the same God. We are to worship together. And one of the great things that Southern Baptists do, even though Southern Baptists have their flaws, everybody does, one of our greatest strengths is our ability to come into cooperative fellowship and to send and support missionaries all over the world. A portion of your money that you give every Sunday or that you give in the Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and the Margaret Lackey, all of that goes into the cooperative program. And we are able to send and support missionaries all over the world, locally, nationally, and abroad. That's what happens when the saints come together. Things like that can happen. As Madden Baptist Church, we have to be united and unified in order to reach our community with the gospel. How are we to send and to go if we are not unified within ourselves? As Lee County Baptists, we must be unified as a group of churches in order to bring glory to God in this county. And you can go on and on. Unity gets the job done for the glory of God. Whenever, whenever division wants to creep into the church, we must remember that we are all unified. There's going to be times where Satan wants to divide us. He wants to implant those moments of divisiveness. And we've got to remember we are unified by God and our Savior Jesus. Look at what Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, this is what Paul writes. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love. Watch this, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. That belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So may we never fall into the trap of division, but may we, as the scripture says, be eager to maintain unity in the Spirit. Remember, we all serve the same God. All believers in this room serve the same God. And that is first and foremost, above all. If there be any divisiveness within your mind or your heart today, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Seek God to help you relieve, be relieved of that divisiveness today. I understand God is calling all of us out today. There's been a lot of callings out there. But while there may be multiple callings, there is but one maybe for you today. Maybe your calling is the call to leadership. Maybe you've known God has been asking you to take up more of a responsibility of leadership. But you've been avoiding it for fear that you're not ready. 
Let me tell you from experience. If I was waiting till I was ready, I wouldn't be standing here before you. Lord knows I'm not. It's only by the grace of God that I am where I am. When God calls, you answer. So maybe that's you. Maybe you would come to God and pray and accept that calling of leadership today. Maybe today you're in here and you understand you need to be saved. You recognize that you have not given your life to the Lord. You have not truly believed. You have not uh, uh, made Christ number one in your life. God's been calling to you and telling you, you need to be saved. You need to be saved. I'm calling to you. You need to walk that out. You need to be saved. You need to get to where you are under me. But you've been avoiding it. You've been holding on. Will you come forward today and receive salvation? Maybe you're in here and you're already saved, but you need to work on your sanctification. You need to be pursuing God. You haven't been pursuing Him lately. You've been pursuing everything else. You've been falling short of pursuing holiness. So maybe you need to come to this altar and repent and draw near to God. Maybe God's calling you to unity. Maybe you've had a little bit of divisiveness in your life, whether it's division within the church or within your job or your, 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 your marriage or your, or your families or whatever. Maybe there's divisiveness, there's a spirit of division within your family and your home and, and yourself. Maybe today you just need to come and pray that God would remove that division from your life. Understand this altar is a place that you can come to and come bow before the Lord. You can't bow, you can stand. God's okay with that. But there's an act of obedience in being willing to come and stand before the Lord boldly and say, God, I need you. Instead of hiding behind a pew. So however God is calling out to you today, however God is calling you, may you respond faithfully to that today. Let's pray. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory. God, you are so good. God, you have provided a salvation through your son, Jesus, and I pray today that we all believe that and trust in that. But God, if there's anyone here who does not believe, who has not put their faith in you, I pray today would be the day of salvation. They would take that step. God, I pray for the one in here who, who is saved but hasn't been pursuing holiness lately, hasn't been taking those steps towards you, God, I pray they'd be willing to come and repent and seek forgiveness for that and draw near to you. God, I pray for the ones in here who you are calling to leadership. You're calling them to be a deacon. You're calling them to teach Sunday school. You're calling them to serve here and there. And God, they've been holding back. But maybe today they feel that calling in their life. So God, if that's the case, may they come and accept that calling today. God, I pray that we all answer the call to unity. God, division has no place in the church. Division is an unacceptable sin, God. It has caused too many heartaches. It's caused too many struggles. And sadly, God, Many buildings, churches have, have closed because of it. And God, I pray that's not the case here.
And God, we would be a church that is unified to bring glory to your name, that we are unified by one Savior, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, that above all things, that would be number one. God, I thank you for this church family. God, I thank you for the love you have shown us over these years, your faithfulness to us, God, to continue to serve you. That God, many, many times you could have given up on us, but you didn't. And we're here in 2024. And so I pray today that we are ready and willing to serve wherever you call us to. But God, before we can leave these doors and serve, may we respond faithfully to the calling that you placed on each and every one of our lives. God, we love you. We give you the praise and the glory. Move our feet where they need to move. And it's in your son's holy name that I pray. Amen.